Welcome to another edition of the Hawk Off the Press podcast. I'm your host, Gazette Hawkeye supporter, John Steppe, doing a mailbag edition of the podcast. Thanks to everyone in our Hawkeye Sports text update group for the great questions. You can join them for free at joinsubtext.com slash Hawkeyes and get Hawkeye insights directly from me via text message. So jumping right into the questions... A lot about the transfer portal, both for men's basketball and women's basketball. I'll start with men's basketball. It's an ongoing process, no commitments yet for Iowa, but three names that you should probably keep an eye on are BJ Mack from Wofford, Josh Cohen from St. Francis, Pennsylvania, and Jordan Miner from Merrimack are all names that are that have publicly been tied to Iowa. So all three of those are relatively bigger guys, which is what Iowa needs. Meanwhile, for women's basketball, they do have a full 15 for next year. So they don't have space right now to add somebody. Now that could change. This is 2023 after all, and we are talking about the transfer portal. So if somebody leaves, which is not that much of an if, Iowa could then add somebody in the transfer portal. Obviously, somebody with size would make a big difference. So we'll see. One name that would be really interesting for Iowa would be Anissa Morrow, who just entered the transfer portal today, Wednesday, as I'm recording this, from DePaul. Bigger player, be a great fit. So that would be an interesting one. But, of course, you first have to have the spot available which Iowa does not have right now and Morrow's case I think probably half the free world is me expressing interest in her probably the top name or one of the top names that we'll see in the portal this year and then football question who are quarterbacks throwing to now that Brecht is gone does Iowa need to go to the portal for wide receivers so for background Brody Brecht was doing the baseball and baseball or excuse me, baseball and football thing. Now he's just doing baseball. He already wouldn't have been participating in spring practices. So because of playing in baseball, then the other thing that makes wide receiver kind of a complicated factor in the spring is the injuries to Seth Anderson and Jacob Bostic. So that leaves them in terms of scholarship guys for this spring with Deontay Vines and Nico Ragaini. So it's a thin group right now in terms of spring practices for those. Then you have a lot of walk-ons. Guys like Alec Wick, Jack Johnson could go down the list here who are going to be filling in some bigger roles, at least for the spring, just out of necessity with their current health situation. In terms of does Iowa need to go to the portal for wide receiver, obviously it would be nice to get another quality wide receiver in the portal. Granted, a lot of programs would say that. And the challenge that I was going to run into is at the end of the day, you're recruiting a wide receiver to tight end you. And that can be a difficult thing. So Iowa is they have a disadvantage in the portal at wide receiver, just based on the nature of the volume of how many targets a wide receiver can realistically expect. 
So you have those challenges. The other challenge that you have is Iowa needs somebody to leave in order to have that spot to add. So that gets to be a complicating factor too of, okay, let's say you have a, let's say a defensive back were to enter the portal. This is just entirely hypothetical. Don't want the rumor mill started here for this entirely hypothetical. Let's say a defensive back were to enter the portal. Well, then are you going to take that scholarship away from the defensive back room to add another wide receiver? It gets to be complicated there. So uh, those are some of the kind of obstacles to adding somebody in the portal. But yeah, if the right opportunity is there and the circumstances fall in line, Iowa could definitely benefit from having a wide receiver in the portal. Along those lines, a question about any portal news at offensive line or wide receiver. We're probably not going to have too much in terms of portal news for a few more weeks. The next portal window does not open until May 1st, and that's the smaller portal window, May 1st to 15th. Now you have some exceptions, like you have Justin Britt, who is already on medical scholarship. So, you know, is different with him, with him being a grad transfer where he's not subject to those portal windows. But for the most part, you're not going to see many people at this point coming and going via the portal just because of those windows. So you have a very select group of people who that doesn't apply to. So stay tuned. May could be interesting, or it might not. Because the other thing, too, is you're going to have... Already the transfer portal is a game of musical chairs. And I think it could especially be a game of musical chairs because you have a bunch of these programs that have more scholarship players committed for 2023 fall than they have scholarships that they're allowed to give. So if you leave, there's no guarantee that you have a spot somewhere. So I think that this portal window is going to be quieter, but that doesn't mean it's going to be silent. So we'll see what happens in a month or so. Then a question about new high school recruits for football. The most recent commitment is from Drew Campbell. You're going to probably recognize that last name. Yes, that is the younger brother of Jack Campbell, a defensive end in the class of 2024. So that'll be an interesting prospect to watch a couple of years from now. Obviously, things worked out well with the first Campbell. We'll see about the second Campbell. Um, then question about the NFL draft. We're less than a month away from that now. I'd say pretty confidently you can say that four players at least should get drafted from Iowa with Lucas Van Ness being a projected first-round pick. Jack Campbell and Sam Laporta are probably pretty safe bets. Well, as safe as you can be while predicting the NFL draft. But they're likely to be second or third round, so day two. Riley Moss, I could see, is maybe a fourth round pick, but give or take on that. Then Kayvon Merriweather, if I was an NFL GM, I would draft him, but there is a level of unpredictability there. I could see him potentially being five or six or maybe even an undrafted free agent. So I look at, though, Kayvon's leadership and, yeah, it's hard to pass on that if I'm an NFL GM. But 
I'm not an NFL GM and yeah. So that's kind of what I'm in general expecting in terms of from Iowa players. So obviously like Kayvon, Jack, Sam, all three captains, a lot of leadership there. Lucas Van Ness, I think it, you're just beginning to see what he can do. So it'll be an interesting year in terms of NFL draft prospects from Iowa was just doing a radio interview for a station in Las Vegas to talk about Iowa players. So there's clearly a good batch of Iowa players who could realistically get drafted four, five. That's a pretty good position to be in. I'll be curious to see what happens with a guy like Seth Benson, who is not invited to the, to the combine, but I would be surprised if he wasn't on a training camp roster. So obviously somebody's getting a heck of a player there. Um, then a question about spring football progress and um, another person noting the need for an improved offense. Yeah, this is the big development time for the, particularly for the offense after a underwhelming season last year offensively. The offensive line is banged up, and as Kirk Ferentz acknowledged a couple weeks ago, the way that you get better is by doing. And that can be a challenge when you don't necessarily have a ton of healthy offensive linemen. So that's kind of the big question mark right now at this point in spring is how much can this offense develop when they're missing players at offensive line and they're missing guys at wide receiver, as I was talking about earlier. So that's kind of the big key. We don't get too much of a look inside practice. They made a portion of last week's practice while much of the media was in Dallas for the final four. They did make a portion of that open. And then we'll get the open practice on April 22nd as well at the end of the spring. So we'll get to see there. In the meantime, we'll be continuing to talk to players and stay tuned for coverage of that. Then a question about the strength and conditioning for women's basketball. Pretty much the same as any other sport in terms of they have their designated strength and conditioning coach. Frequently heard in the NCAA tournament about how much muscle Caitlin Clark added. That just goes to show the how strong, no pun intended there, but how effective Iowa's strength and conditioning staff is across various sports. Then a question about why the NCAA picked among their officiating crew for the Final Four two first-year officials. Just some clarification on that. There were 11 officials that the NCAA brought to the Final Four, and two of them were in their first Final Four. Now, the crew that was doing the national championship game, the one that really was the questionable, questionable is probably putting it kindly, but the underwhelming officiating. So that crew did not have first year, first time final four officials. I should clarify. Lisa Jones was in her 11th final four. on, And then the others were in their third year and fourth year of doing a final four. It wasn't like it, they weren't ever on this stage before, but clearly a clunker for them in terms of their performance and 
a lot that can be said there, but at the end of the day, it was what it was. Iowa was going to lose probably either way with just how well LSU's offense was, but it makes for a much more frustrating game when you have the officiating inconsistencies where usually you will not hear me blame the officials for much because I'm a believer that you pretty much always hear the complaints about the officiating from the losing team and never from the winning team. But it's really telling with Sunday's national championship game because it's one of the few cases where I think both the winning team's fans and losing team's fans are probably equally disappointed in the officiating. And that really just goes to show that they missed the mark on Sunday, undoubtedly. And it's too bad, too, because you had an average viewership of 9.9 million people for that game. That would have been a great opportunity for people to see how great of a product women's basketball is in 2023. And instead, the officiating took a larger role than I think anybody would like to see. Um, Then an interesting idea that somebody submitted about having a Christine Grant celebration at the White House at the Rose Garden, since Iowa doesn't want to barge in on LSU's celebration. So the backstory here, the First Lady, Joe Biden, made a comment about wanting to possibly invite Iowa as well as LSU, despite Iowa losing to LSU in the national championship game. That got walked back. Obviously, at the Title IX 50th anniversary that started last summer, that's obviously a big deal. Christine Grant was obviously a very big part of that. And, you know, you probably can't celebrate that too much just because of just how important it was. I wouldn't hold your breath, though, for something at the White House to still invite Iowa. That wasn't a very good PR situation for the White House. And I would imagine they're going to backtrack. Well, they've already backtracked, but I think they're going to kind of move on past that. Lisa Bluter did suggest the first lady and the president visiting Carver Hawkeye. Maybe there's something like that that could be done in terms of combining that with a Title IX 50th anniversary thing and with Christine Grant having such a big part of that legacy. But an interesting idea nonetheless. Then a question about women's basketball recruiting. So Iowa already has its 2023 commits, especially at this point of the year, they kind of have to. Um, Denise Johnson, Etienne, and Ava Jones are the two recruits expected to join the program as freshmen next season. Ava Jones obviously is still recovering from the almost fatal um, accident, the real tragedy there in Louisville last summer. Um, Kenise Johnson at the end, interesting prospect. So it'll be hard to immediately break in with just how experienced this Iowa team is and has been. But you would have said the same thing a year ago when Hannah Stalky came in as a freshman with a very experienced team and she was big 10 sixth sixth player of the year really talented player was able to find a role right away as a freshman so you never know oh and then with 2024 recruiting Callie Levin from Solon has been committed to Iowa for a while 
She committed back in 2021, I believe, chose Iowa over Iowa State, Drake, and I believe Oklahoma State was the another program there that she had interest from. So, and Johnson Etienne, by the way, is a 5'7 point guard. Then a question about the latest on Iowa baseball and softball. Um, interesting time for both those programs. Um, baseball was off to their best start in program history in the non-conference. Was really having a lot of success. Beat number one LSU earlier this year. So certainly some momentum there. They did lose their first Big Ten series of the year against Maryland. But Maryland is a respectable program. So it'll be an interesting year to see where Iowa stacks up in the Big Ten for baseball. For softball, they've already surpassed their conference wins from last year. Granted, last year was a really not good year. They were 3-20 and in the Big Ten. So there's really nowhere to go but up. And they are indeed going up. So they are 4-4 four and four right now in Big Ten play. They did take a game against a nationally relevant Northwestern team, although Northwestern did win the series. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with softball because that had been a program that had been struggling really since Gail Blevins' retirement. It hasn't been the same. I think people probably have another level of appreciation for what Blevins did because as we've seen in the last more than a decade since, it's easier said than done. So, but it'll be an interesting for both baseball and softball, an interesting Big Ten season, no doubt. And then a question about Caitlin Clark's NIL deals. It's going to be a pretty long list. IV, Nike, HR Block, Buick, Goldman Sachs, Tops, like the Tops trading cards. The list goes on. The really two that jump out to me. Nike, she was one of the first five college athletes to have a Nike NIL deal. When you think of the scope of Nike and to be one of five, that's a pretty impressive group to be in. And Hyvie, she was the first college athlete to have an NIL deal there. So she has a lot of NIL value. I'm sure she has no shortage of NIL opportunities. Her marketability is obviously really high. And you have some national articles that sometimes try to rank, okay, who has the most NIL money or most NIL opportunities on three sports. The recruiting website has an NIL evaluation tool, but those numbers really are imperfect because you look at it, these athletes are not required at all to disclose their NIL deals. So like the on three tool, I believe uses social media following heavily. And sometimes that just the social media numbers don't necessarily line up perfectly with an athlete like Caitlin Clark when she's one of five athletes to have a Nike deal and she's the first one to have a high V deal. H&R Block, Buick, you're talking about some pretty big companies here. So, yeah, I would, if you're reading these national articles about NIL and how much specific athletes are making, take it with a little bit of a grain of salt because 
there's a lot that people don't know about specifics because you just don't have any of this NIL transparency in our current setup. Athletes are not required to disclose that. I've tried, others have tried getting the NIL disclosures via public records request, and Iowa has denied those. So, yeah, it's hard to know exactly how much somebody like Caitlin Clark is making in NIL. Thanks again for all of the tremendous questions. Again, you can join the Hawkeye Sports text group that we have at joinsubtext.com slash Hawkeyes. Great way to ask me any questions you have about Hawkeye sports and get a text back for me. So until next week's podcast, we will talk Hawks later. Get a daily update from the Gazette with our daily news podcast. Add it to your podcast player or your Alexa-friendly device to get a bite-sized local news update each day. Check it out at thegazette.com slash podcasts.